Hey, we're going to dive back into Colossians. Where we left off, we were in verses 16 and 17. Um, I've, I had a couple weeks off uh, where David Mitchell taught a couple weeks ago, and I loved that. And Pastor Trav taught last week, and it was amazing. We're going to dive back into Colossians. I thought about picking up right where we left off, which means we would start with, you wives must submit to your husbands. But I thought maybe that'd be a hard way to come back into this text. So instead, we're going to back up and we're going to hit 16 and 17 a little bit more because I think there's some aspects of 16 and 17 that we really need to, to consider still. Paul began this passage, if you remember with me, in, in ch- the beginning of chapter 3. He began with verse one, he says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ. And he starts with this phrase, since you've been raised to new life with Christ. And since that, since that verse, he's just been coaching this young Colossian culture with a challenge of what this new life in Jesus really is, is supposed to look like. And he challenges them to, to put their eyes on Jesus. I always wanna remind us of that first Sometimes it's easy to put our eyes on religion and on a system of do's and don'ts, but the truth is, Paul's statement is, since you've been raised to this new life in Christ, now set your sights or set your eyes on the realities of heaven. The realities of heaven is really Jesus at the right hand of the Father. So he's challenging them to let Jesus lead them, let Jesus coach them. He challenges them to get rid of sin and all their wickedness. He challenges them in their attitudes and their behaviors towards each other. And then he challenges them to choose grace in, in all things. That's really where we left off. But in the next few verses, Paul will invite them into what I would term maybe is developing a personal culture of Jesus in our lives. Developing that personal culture of Jesus in my life. I want, I want to ask us, have we ever considered that? That we can create a personal culture around ourselves by the way we live. I think some of us are maybe at times blind to that reality that we're creating culture around us at all times. I had a, a Bible college professor who said culture is anything you create or allow. So in that, in that very real sense, anything that we allow in our lives or anything we intentionally do creates a culture around us. And so for Paul, there's a key to developing a healthy personal culture, and that's rooted in the discipline of learning to put on this nature of Jesus. That's what it means to create a personal culture of Jesus. So I wanna look at this passage through that lens and see if we can learn as a family what it looks like to do the work of developing a healthy, personal culture of Jesus. I wanna be careful not to just call it a healthy, personal culture because in our day and age, that can be construed many different ways. A lot of people would say, well, healthy, personal culture means you work out like crazy or you you eat really healthy or you do yoga or, or, or you take lots of vacations. For this conversation, let's be clear, we're talking about what it looks like to develop a healthy culture in the kingdom of a life with Jesus. Paul says, let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through him 
to God the Father. You wives must submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. And you husbands must love your wives and never treat them harshly. You children must always obey your parents, for this is what pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't aggravate your children. If you do, they will become discouraged and quit trying. You slaves must obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Obey them willingly because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites who can get away with evil. So we're gonna work through a few, a few of these verses uh, in our time this morning. Before we get into that, I wanted to kinda share some thoughts. As, as a team, we've been praying through considering through what does it look like to, to be the church family in this season. And obviously, for most of us, the majority of our lives have been about gathering together and worshiping together and, and sharing life together on a Sunday or a Wednesday or, or a Saturday night, depending on where you grew up in your background. And that's been changed right now. There are, are a lot of us, I think, that are realizing the need for small groups and the need for intimate, connected relationship. And while we could say it this way that the, the government can't tell the church you can't gather, we, we know that. I would say I think it's the wrong stance to take as the people of God to defiantly stand and, and say, you can't tell us that. I wanna honor what's going on in the culture and, and honor the leaders and just try to work with them. I think that that also could be supported in scripture where Paul says, do whatever you can to live at peace with all men. So we've just been praying through a lot of different aspects of what it's gonna look like as a family. And for the next uh, few weeks, we're gonna try some new things. We're gonna try maybe shifting our weekend gatherings to being more focused on worship and the communion time and then doing multiple teaching pockets throughout the week. Because what I see happening right now is more than any time in my life that I can remember, the, the responsibility's been put on me like I've never felt to be a disciple of Jesus. There's this very real, re, real thing happening where I'm, I personally am realizing whether I succeed or fail at this is gonna be about my willingness to connect with the king and learn from him. So we're, we're asking a lot of questions as a family. What's it look like for us to do everything we can to promote great discipleship in this season? And so because of that, I'm gonna take shorter teaching times in these because we want to maybe build a, a more daily rhythm if we can. Paul will start here with, let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. First thing I see here is that developing a healthy, personal let's call it a personal Jesus culture, if we can, begins with an, intent, an intentional foundation in the scriptures and, the, and his active voice in our lives. So there's really two aspects. An intentional foundation of the scriptures, because Paul says, let the words of Christ, and we never wanna just assume that means just the scriptures. We also never wanna assume that means just his, vo his voice into our, in our prayer times and into our hearts. It's always both. But the first movement that Paul will challenge them into in developing this healthy personal culture is this aspect of being intentional into the scriptures 
and listening to the voice of Jesus. And his words and his word, these two things, are to teach us and shape us. So my question is, what does it look like to develop that lifestyle? What does that process mean and what does it look like in real time? What does it mean to let his words live in me? The key phrase in this verse here seems to be, let his words in all their richness live. Because the phrase means to have what Jesus says, all words from him, it actually means to have them copiously within me in large quantity, oh, not like just a single word, it's, it's letting the, the fullness of the word of the Lord, it's being so invested into the scriptures and into, into time with him that he's constantly speaking and, and the inside of us is alive with his words. The idea is to have an increasing volume of his word in us. I think that really looks like making an intentional space for him to talk. I know a lot of us would hope the Lord would speak to us throughout the day, but I would love to submit to us that the first fundamental value of letting the word of Christ into your life, letting him speak into your life, is making an intentional space just for him to talk. For me, I can tell you what that looks like. It's I get up in the morning and I make a pot of coffee and I go sit in my office and I open my laptop because I, I, I use a prayer journal, but I just, it's just a time, it's a spot of time in my day where it's just me and him and I'm making room for him to talk. But I think it also looks like making intentional time for the scriptures. To be people that have a healthy personal culture with Jesus, we have to have both. I would love to submit to us that it's actually that simple. You don't have to be able to study fantastic. You don't have to have even super crazy long prayer times. There's just this beauty of if we prioritize time with him, and time with the scriptures, that he, being gracious and gentle, is gonna use that to invade our hearts and our minds. And I wanna encourage us to take that first step in developing right now in this season. If you haven't done it yet, start doing it tomorrow. To set aside a time. Pastor Gary, when I was growing up in his church, used to say this all the time. There's 96 15-minute periods in a day. Give the Lord one of them and see what happens. And so I just want to invite us, church, to intentionally make time for his voice and time for the scriptures. Paul will say, beyond that, after you let the word of Christ in all its richness live in your heart and make you wise, then use his words to teach and counsel each other. So the second thing we see here in this this aspect of developing a healthy personal culture in Jesus, it means that we learn a communication style that's built around the scriptures. It's built around those words. I love Paul's admonition that we teach and counsel because the words here, these words teach and counsel, they carry an idea of sharing knowledge and bringing important truths to mind. This is a culture of encouraging others in Jesus. Too often I think we hear the word teach and we instantly would think about rebuke. We instantly think about criticism. So I wanna ask the question, what does it really mean to teach and to counsel? I think it's easy to see it as correction and rebuke, but I think hidden in this first word teach is a more important definition. It means to gently reprove. 
Reproof is not about rebuke. Reproof is about encouraging somebody, coaching them into something, inviting them into a better idea. So there's grace and tenderness in this teaching. I would say that it's not just about the education we're dispensing. It's actually about the process of how we're dispensing it. So in that way, there's a gentleness. There's, there's no harshness allowed in it. So how do I know if I'm an encourager? Well, if the root idea of encouragement is to build others up, if you're, if you're using the scriptures to shape your worldview and you're encouraging others and building up others with those truths, then you're an encourager. But if you're not, then you're not. It's just that simple. Encouragement is the idea of helping others grow through positive communication. Negative or critical communication or absent communication, which I would call like a neutral disconnect, those are not building others up. What Paul's really challenging this young church here and what I'm challenging us is that we become a people that study the scriptures, learn from the scriptures, and encourage each other with the scriptures. Paul will say, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. So he moves, he's just making these movements. So let the words of Christ and all the richness live in your heart and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. And then sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And I would say the third aspect of developing this healthy culture in Jesus means that we develop our own personal worship culture. And Paul's gonna challenge them in this aspect of worship. He's teaching these Colossians that they need to use worship in their everyday lives with each other. Consider that. How many people can you think of that you know, they just always worship. Every time I'm around them, they're worshiping. They're singing, they're excited, they're bright. This isn't about being on stage. This isn't about being a band member or anything like that. In fact, I would say this discipline here must be a precursor to ever being used in worship as a leader or a minister. The first place worship is developed is in my private life before the Lord where I develop a, a worship culture around me. It has to become my lifestyle. There's four phrases that Paul uses that I wanna highlight here. The first one is sing psalms. Now psalms are scriptural songs. So if you say, I don't know what to sing to the Lord, start in the book of Psalms. It's, this is, it's actually talking about the book of Psalms. It's the skill set of learning to sing the scriptures. When we sing the scriptures, we are aligning with the scriptures and we are praying with the scriptures. What I love is when we sing the scriptures, we know that that song has good theology because we're just giving back to the Lord what he gave to us. So take the Psalms and sing them. He moves on and says, sing psalms and hymns. Hymns are historic songs of the church. They're songs that have been used throughout the history of the church and they have value in the church. It doesn't mean a hymnal. I know that's the first place we go with it. It doesn't mean a hymnal, but it could. There's nothing wrong with those songs in the hymnals. They've had historic value in the church. There's nothing wrong with Maranatha or with Hillsong or with Bethel. You pick Whatever songs have had historic impact in the church, that's these songs that Paul's talking about. It's just songs 
that have been established as important in the journey of the church. And we are to honor them and use them. So dig one up and sing it. Paul will go on and, said, and say not just psalms and hymns, but sing spiritual songs. This is the one that I love the most. It's spontaneous worship from our hearts and from our journey. It means we're re- responding to the Lord in song out of our own encounter with him. They're fresh songs. They can be fully formed. If you like to write songs, great. They could also just be spontaneous ideas before the Lord. We see that all the time in worship. But there's a very clear leaning in that word into the fresh ideas or songs that come into our heart when I'm with him. They're things that are just going on inside of me while I'm hanging out with Jesus. I would actually challenge you when you're with him to pay attention to melodies that are going on inside of you. I think the Lord loves to communicate through music and through song with us. David will talk about that, that sing songs, hymns, make melody into the Lord. It's just a part of a healthy kingdom culture. I would say spiritual songs, and I want you to understand this principle. Spiritual songs come from spending time in a spiritual realm. No one's gonna write spiritual songs that's not spending time in the spiritual realm. The last thing Paul says is sing with thankfulness. I just wanna break that down. Sing with thankfulness. Because Paul puts a filter on all of our worship. All of our worship is to be fueled out of gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord. Because we love him, we're grateful for the life he's given us, we love his, his tenderness towards us, and so we sing with thankfulness. I would say this, gratitude is the lens that I choose that refuses me to allow my circumstances to impact my outlook. Gratitude is the lens that I use that refuses to let my circumstances affect my outlook. Because my thankfulness is rooted in my trust in him. And it is to be the weapon we use to live and to overcome discouragement. And Paul says it's, it's an important aspect of developing a healthy personal culture of worship. All right, I wanna push pause there. We'll pick back up sometime this week. We'll keep you informed, let you know what's going on. As always, I wanna remind you, uh, if there's things going on in your life uh, where you say, Pastor, I just need prayer, would you please email those in? The team is watching emails. Would you call the church where the team is, is by the phone? We wanna walk through this journey together. If you're in a position where financially things are really tight and, and you need help, please reach out and ask. We want to, as a family, take care of each other because that's really part of the call of God on us. Love you guys. Looking forward to our next time together. Be blessed.